what up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to a new and improved Die Hard Den podcast. And as always, I'm with my man, Shawnee J. What up, good people? It's been a while, but we're back. All right, so we're back. We're better than ever. And we're coming to you two different ways. We're coming to you via a video on YouTube. We're going to have a raw video file on YouTube. And we're going to continue the podcast version, the audio version. It's going to have some bonus content along with the Now You Know segment. And this week, it's going to be a special <coughs> Now You Know segment with my interview I've done with Tori Petri of DetroitLions.com. I had a chance to interview her again for school. If you don't know, I'm a sportscasting student at Full Sail University, and I had an interviewing class, and I had a chance to interview her once again, and it was a good interview. I really enjoyed it, so I take pride in sharing that interview with the Now You Know on the actual audio podcast version. But hey, it is time to get into some content, but first, Shawnee J, how have you been doing since we've been on hiatus? I'm doing this fine. I'm very busy, man. You know, I work a lot. Mm-hmm. I enjoy doing the podcast. I'm glad to be back. Um, I'm trying to survive this coronavirus scare. It changed the world, you know. It shut yeah. everything down. Our, our the sports world down. Um, things we like to do normally down. Um, food, everything. Let's hope we get over this virus so we can move on with life. Right. Um, but, hey, I, I hear you. Um, I'm taking this coronavirus, the COVID-19, very seriously as well. I'm limiting my interactions uh, out in public with the social distancing. I only go out when I have to, you know, get supplies and stuff like that or have a doctor's appointment. But other than that, make sure we keep ourselves stocked up with food and supplies and keep ourselves in the house uh, here on my end with my family. But hey, but I'm doing pretty good, doing good in school. Got about seven months left uh, to I graduate in October. So, hey, I, I think I'm, you know, doing all right in the school. So, and um, that's the reason I started this podcast was to get some verbal repetitions by hosting a podcast um, as an online student. So, but now it's time to get into the show. And as always, it is time to tell me something good. All right, this week, tell me something good. I have really two things, my man. Um, the CBA got voted on and approved, so there won't be a work stoppage. Now, that's a good thing for us fans. However, there are some players that don't like it. Some players that do like it, especially those uh, middle guys that's, you know, they don't get paid, those lower-end guys that don't get paid a lot of salary. So, you know, to have a work stoppage to make sure they're going to be able to take care of their family, that's very good. And one, Matthew and Kelly Stafford are now expecting their fourth child this offseason, which is a blessing because you know how tough last offseason was for them, her having brain surgery, you know, going through with the tumor. So big shout out. I'm so happy uh, for the blessing of the fourth child for the Staffords. What do you got to say about, about, about that, my man? I'm happy for both Matthew and Kelly. We know what Kelly was going through last year. Mm-hmm. I was worried that her situation may have, have an effect on Matthew's season. You know, I thought he made the selfish to compare for his wife. Right. And a lot of people on the said, well, we had to do that. We had to do that. Right. He had to sell. He had to sit out. As things turned out, he missed half the season anyway with an injury. Right. She's playing and she's having a child. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lions never really got out the gate last year. Well, they do start so, but they fell quickly for whatever reason. I see some injury start pilot before Matthew got hurt. And now I think part of it was um, bad play calling, especially mm-hmm. on defense. The defense could put no pressure on the quarterback for the season. I was looking for big things last year. I was looking for big things every year. Right. Um, so Stafford is, is back as well, is by as well. He actually time to heal. Um, Kelly Stafford put on her Instagram account that his back is fine. He's fine. Mm-hmm. He can't wait to um, finish, I mean, you know, get back. To playing because he missed it. It's in his blood. He wants to finish his career in Detroit. And she sat down those rumors also on Instagram saying, you know, claiming that he asked Lions for a trade. And I hope all these um, analysts that say the Lions are trade with Stafford, I, ho- I hope they shut up too. I don't want no two of them because um damaged goods come out of college. But we can talk about later in the podcast. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for the Staffords. You know, again, it's a blessing. You know, me being a parent myself, I understand how rare it is 
um, to have a blessing of, of a brand new child. Now, it is time to go on the ball. All right, this week on the ball and Defender Den, we're going to just go over some quick coaching changes. Um, looking at some new hires, we got uh, on the offensive side of the ball, you got um, Leon Washington came over. And he's a, a minority coaching assistantship. And then really, you only have a couple guys that really changed. You got Ben Johnson got moved up from a quality control coach to coach the tight ends. And also, you have uh, Hank Fraley got promoted to the offensive line coach, uh, along with um, Billy Yates, who got moved up to be his assistant. And then, really, uh, you had the strength and conditioning coach staff really got turned over, except for the head uh, strength and conditioning guy, Josh Schuler got promoted. Uh, he was an assistant last year, but he's taken over the program and from Nash. And, you know, we'll see how that's going to go. Looking at that, just those positions with the strength and conditioning, that was a concern for you last season, Shawnee J. Please uh, tell it, me how you feel about the, the new strength and conditioning staff. It definitely was. I told you guys in our group, the main, one of the main hires I've been looking forward to was the new strength and conditioning coach and, uh, off-season workout plan, you know, because we lost, what, 20 players, 20 stars, or 20 players in total mm-hmm. on the injury reserve, and we lost Boone Stafford. Um, one of the former students of Harold Nash's name, mm-hmm. he's a former patron. I'm surprised he didn't work out here. He's a former patron. They love former patron coaches right. players. I don't know why his program didn't work. Is it, you know, is it the nature of the business? You know, no matter what kind of shape you come in, you thought the risk going to get hurt. This nature of the game. The Patriots have seen had that many injuries um, when he was working there, but he comes here and necessarily work here. And but now with caught with um with some coronavirus affecting everything, the NFL. I know he's still going to sell time, but will they be able to work out? Get in there and work out the you know the regular OTAs and the strength conditioning program. Uh, what what affects them? What what have effects on the conditioning? Um, so sometimes the line control. This is something that's affected the whole world, not just the football world. Right. Um, but I hope they get in there. This new coach, I can say, is the main one I was looking forward to. The off-season program. Hope the guys are working on their own, looking ways to stay in shape right. on their own. So when they do, the program does start, they'll be good to go. If the serious athlete, you know, you work out all year round, you can right. work away from those days in shape. Right. Because I've seen videos of uh, – Canard and Kenny Galladay and a couple other players, you know, they're starting their workouts uh, this season, off season. Uh, Trey Flowers as well. He had a video on the DetroitLions.com where he was down yeah. in Alabama working out. So um, I posted it online, you know, on yeah. the group. So, you know, I think they'll be okay. I, I think it may be pushed back some just because of the fact that right now, I don't think the league is allowing teams to have uh, players or any uh, uh, in their facilities at this moment because of the coronavirus or, or COVID-19. But um, but that was a big position for them to fill. Kind of He got two new assistants, so that's going to probably help revamp the program. Uh, looking at the defensive side of the ball, of course, you have Corey Allen, who is the new defensive coordinator. You have Tony Carter coming in as a defensive assistant. Uh, there was a lot of um, kind of a uproar about that just because of the fact that he doesn't have any really coaching assistance, uh, excuse me, coasting experience. He doesn't have that. Um, and But the really big hire, the big name guy that came in was one Tyrone McKenzie. I know a lot of uh, individuals in our group um, on multiple uh, Lions uh, Facebook groups were excited about the potential hire of McKenzie, and it did come to fruition. My man is in the fold. Uh, I do like the hire of McKenzie. You know, he did a good job out there in Tennessee with some really no, really lower, uh, no-name linebackers, and he made them a very solid unit. Yes, he was a, a good hire. Like I said, when the fans were geeked and soaked over this hire, they were hoping to get him because, like I say, he, he turned some no-name players. He didn't have a bunch of uh, first round pick down Tennessee at linebacker to work with. 
Right. Yeah, some lower draft, lower round draft picks for free agents mm-hmm. to work with. He said to approve a union unit. I hope he can do the same thing up here with lots of our guys, like the Jerry Davis and the Giant Tave. I think our guys have more talent and potential than a C. Right. So, and if I, I still want on Isaiah Simmons. Right. So maybe Isaiah Simmons to the list. So we'll see. Right. Um. So that's um that's uh, on the ball and defend the den. Now it is time to switch to our favorite topic every week for the segment is two points conversing. All right, this week, two points conversing, my man. We got a myriad of topics to talk about. But first things first, we're going to talk about some personnel moves by the Lions. Uh, they released one snacks Harrison a few weeks ago. And in the last few days, they released Rick Wagner. Uh, what do you think about those two veterans leaving the team? Well, if you remember, Zach Harris, he, Harrison, he had a, a rough season. Him and him and um, um, Clay didn't start training camp on time last year. And we talked about this last year at the time. Mm-hmm. They missed the right off-season conditioning program. Yeah, you know, they came in time for a training camp, but still, they missed a lot of time in the off-season. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of it's... Um, Voluntary, but we know voluntary wink wink. What that means, wink wink. Right. They still expect you to be there, especially if you're a starter, you know, or a leader on the team. They still expect you to be there if it's voluntary. So I don't even why it's a joke we call it voluntary. You know, it's just they expect you to be there anyway. But he had a rough season. He wasn't the same guy he was when he came over here. He wasn't the same dominant force. Yeah, he got double and triple teams. Stuff like about. He played with a myriad of injuries. He played hurt all last season, mm-hmm. and his spear was broken. He was talking about retiring, you know, after the Green Bay game. Remember, we saw the extra interviews on the news, and we all right. saw that. Mm-hmm. He was trying to play retirement. I thought, well, I don't think he's going to be done yet. Let him, mm-hmm. his body rest up and heal up. You know, let him, let him get his juices recharge. You know, get that itch again. You know, you never lose that competitive, even when you know you're done, you're too old and your bio won't like you. Right. I think I thought once he held up, he ready to play again. Unfortunately, it won't be for the Lions. I mentioned before we saw his um, cryptic um, post he put on Instagram mm-hmm. when he got released of Mick Mills tiptoeing away, you know, smiling. <laughs> yeah. So I can see Snacks um, signing with another team. He'll All be right. the Patriots. He'll be the Cowboys. Yeah. But, he's, but you know... <laughs> Well, I wish him well. I have nothing to say about him. And as far as with Wagner, the um, Lions signed him to that big contract mm-hmm. a few years ago. He was one of the highest paid players on the team. Right. They signed him to all pro, you know, all pro money, franchise player money, but he didn't really, he wasn't really a dominant force you were hoping for. Right. He was tough, he was solid, but mm-hmm. you know, it's all about the economics, the money. The Lions probably figured out to get a younger guy who could do the same thing he did for less money. It's all about the economics. Right. And speaking of which, I can add this real quick. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going to sign my boy from Michigan, Graham Glasgow. That's the point, because he was one of the most attainable, durable linemen he had. Right. I just posted this in a group this night, tonight. Mm-hmm. Could it be that they love my boy, other boy <laughs> from Wisconsin, Bo Benchwassel? The love affair continues with your man, Bo. I know you're always excited about him being a potential starter. You were very high on him coming out of college. And I understand shocker that. He wasn't drafted. It, it was a very shocker that he wasn't drafted. He's one of the best as far as the run um, grade from the PFF of, of the college uh, interior lineman. So it was tough to see him not drafted. Uh, but, you know, the Lions... Look like they may have found a diamond in the rough and looks like he might get his chance to go ahead and start this upcoming season. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Opposite of uh, Joe Dahl. You know, you never know. Right. All right. So, mm-hmm. um, so people, he feel free. Um, He'd be able to block for his former college teammate, Jonathan Taylor, too. Right. Just I thought <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But looking at some other names that may be uh, going out of the fold is um, actually Sam Martin. Uh, the punter, uh, I, I like Sam Martin. I think he's very productive. He does well with, with the kickoffs and punting. But I, I think he just may have run his course in Detroit. I think they may try to go younger. Um, he was injured, not last year, but the previous year. And I think they may have, um, looking at his contract, what he might want to sign for. The Lions have decided to move on from him. 
as well as Tavon Wilson. Um, that's one of the names that said they're, they're going to part ways with Tavon Wilson. I think the writing was on the wall for him the previous season, offseason, but he played solid last year. Um, I don't think he's a the, the type of safety they want on the team. They want someone who's versatile, and he's not very good in coverage. So I think that's what really is going to put him you know, on the chopping block uh, for the Lions saying, hey, we, you know, we're going to get younger. Uh, we just drafted Will Harris. You know, you have some other individuals that may be. Uh, it's a very deep defensive back class with a lot of safeties and corners, so they may go younger again still when this upcoming draft on this, at the safety and, position. And I posted a group um, a, a week or so ago. They, they might be interested in a couple former Patriots. Um, um, you know, the safety McCourty. Um, McCourty just signed today. <laughs> Oh, you said to who? Yeah, Patriots? the Patriots. He resigned today. Devin McCourty, oh. the safety. Yeah, he resigned today. <laughs> they resigned. Oh, he's out. Yeah, he's out. So uh, yeah, but they made about the, the quarterback Gilmore. Uh, Stephon Gilmore. Yes. Yeah. So Gilmore was already in. The, he's still on the contract. He just he just okay. signed a big deal with the Patriots last offseason. So yeah, he's he's still there. He's still gonna. He's not going anywhere right now. Now the other McCourty is the one that Jason. Is the one that might be up for grabs. That's the corner. Um, right. Yeah, he only signed a one-year deal with the Patriots. We mean, we'll see if they bring him back uh, for another season with his brother. Um, he didn't start last year, but you know, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of uh, free agents out there. And speaking of that, the Lions are going to have a, a decent amount of money. Um, they're going to have about fifty-one million dollars heading into the start of the league season on Wednesday. Uh, the league, if you don't know, that the league has voted to go ahead and continue uh, with the league schedule because it was collective bargaining that the league year was going to start on the 18th of March, which is this Wednesday at uh, at 12 noon. So uh, free agent frenzy is going to continue like it has. Uh, the legal tampering period starts on Monday at 12 noon. So with $51 million, the Lions can make some significant moves in free agency. Right. Um, like I said, if they spend the money wisely, right. we say this every year. Um, let's see. I, w- I don't know who's the best pass rusher available. If there's one, I'll say I don't want to give on Conley, for instance. He <laughs> never looked at the number one drafting billing. Right. A Tyler once again, he, I don't, he's like, someone call him a first-round bust. The top pick bust. Yeah, I, I, don't think produce. He was a, I don't think he was a bust. I just think that. You know, I'll I tell you this. He did, once he was in Seattle, he did play very well in Seattle. But you got to look at the team he got drafted to. You, you text him. Yeah. You, he played, what, with J.J. Watt. He kind of got really overshadowed playing with Watt. Watt was a two-time defensive player of the year at the Texans while Clowney was there. I mean, he played, once he was healthy in Seattle, he played very well. I mean, he had a definitely good second half of the season. But um, I think he's, he's got overshadowed by uh, by uh, JJ Watt. I mean, uh, in in Houston, I just think that it was it was a situation where he was just going to get overshadowed. He wasn't going to be the number one guy on that defense. I just think he was just and looking at his skill set. I mean, I think he's better suited for a four three defense than a three four, and that's what they ran in, in Houston. And speaking of Texans. One guy that's been um, on targeted for the Lions, or played for the Lions, is their tackle, DJ Reader. Oh yeah, DJ Reader. Yeah, because right now with their with their cap space, they don't have as much as the Lions, and that's going to be one of the cap hits they're going to take with uh, DJ Reader. And he's a big space eating um, a defensive tackle that may fit way very well in Matt Patricia's scheme. So I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Uh, looking at a couple more things. Um, as far as let's, head, uh, let's circle back to the CBA. Now, here's a couple of things that kind of stood out for me um, as far as what's in the CBA. Um, right now, this season coming up in 2020, they're going to be 14 playoff teams in the in the 2020 playoffs, which means you're going to be an extra wild card, which means you have to be the number one seed in your conference to get a first round bye. That means the number two seed will actually play on um, wild card weekend. So there's only going to be uh, one team per conference with a first round bye. And then the second thing is in 2021, 
Now, it's it can happen that early, but it doesn't have to, that the league is going to expand to 17 games and it's going to cut down that uh, fourth preseason game. So those are the two things that really stood out to me from the CBA, uh, the 14-team playoffs and the 17-game uh, regular season. I don't mind, you know, throwing the playoffs a little because we all love football. Right. Everybody, everybody running the playoffs, they like, hey, now my team has a chance to make it. Right. Who's the Lions? I'm just thinking about the Lions. Right. But I don't like the certain game odd schedule because that means it's going to be unbalanced. I like 16 with the perfect number, in my right. opinion. Uh, 17, that means teams are going to have one more home or road game. You know, so how are you going to figure that 17 game out? I don't know. I, th- I think from what, uh, you know, it's just conjecture at this point, I think it's going to open the league up for more uh, international games where you might have um, that one, you know, international game on your schedule per year or a neutral site game. So it may not be an international game, but it may be a neutral site game um, where they play in a city that doesn't normally host the NFL team and they may play it in a neutral site city um, and it just might happen that way. So, I mean, we'll see how it works out. Um, I like the even number. You never know. Um, here in a, you know, the next CBA, you may look at it, it go up to be an 18 game. So we will be even again. You, I mean, you never know. Um, and uh, a couple more things before we kind of get into some some uh, other things. Um, there's some big name players that was that were signed to franchise tags that we kind of looked at before as far as potential targets for the Lions in free agency. Uh, Sheriff, uh, the offensive lineman for the Redskins, and Njoku uh, for the uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those the defensive end. Those two players were franchise tagged uh, in the last couple of days. So those aren't potential targets for the free agency for the Lions. Um, I'm surprised the Texans didn't do Reader yet. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, one uh, one team in our division that got rid of a couple of players that we may have to take a look at in free agency. Now, I would say there may be a little longer in the tooth. Um, well, one of them is. Uh, but Linville Joseph. And Xavier Rose got cut by the Vikings. I know. I posted in the group about them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, those some maybe some, especially Joseph on the defensive line, those may be some some potential free agent targets. You know, and sometimes you get those players, they they want to stay in the division to stick it back to their old team. Right. Mike Daniels did. Mike Daniels said he will return to the Lions again. Right. But I don't know if the Lions will bring him back. What do you think? I'm not sure just because of the fact of his age and his injury injury history. So I'm not positive that he's going to come back to the Lions. And and another uh, former Patriot that got cut uh, is Deion Lewis uh, by the Titans. He got released, um, got cut. So you look at that, you know how uh, Patricia is and Quinn is with former Patriots. So there may be another veteran presence that may be a target for the Lions to come to the locker room just because of the fact that they may not want a lot from him as far as production-wise, but they may want him like Amendola. Any production for him is a bonus because, you know, he was more of a locker room presence than he was someone who was supposed to have this big productive year, but he had a pretty solid year with the Lions last year. Right. I I don't want to keen on Deion Lewis. I want a young back. You know who I want. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. And um and before we go anything go any further, uh, let's talk about the COVID nineteen before we talk about the upcoming draft. Uh, COVID nineteen has really shut down the sports world. I mean, you look at um, there's no baseball, there's no basketball. Um, I mean, lucky for the NFL, we're in they're in the off season right now, and and so is uh, college sports, all spring sports for spring and winter sports right now for the NCAA. All those championships have been canceled. And most have uh, sports, most colleges have shut down their sports programs. Actually, most universities around the nation aren't even holding campus classes right now. They're on, most of them are on spring break. And when they come back from spring break, they'll be going to um, online classes. I know my school is doing that. Uh, My whole school will start online classes starting next week. Um, Just looking at COVID uh, affecting the sports world is this. Um, the only one that the only really entity that's doing anything right now 
is you have a some soccer playing, and a lot of those leagues are overseas. Uh, there's no U.S. soccer playing right now. And the UFC. The UFC have watched a, a few fights uh, this weekend where they fought in empty arenas. And it's going to be tough coming up because the Nevada sports have shut down combat sports. So they can't fight in Las Vegas or Nevada uh, in the foreseeable future. So COVID-19, uh, until we get this thing under control, uh, has really shut down the sports world. And the NCAA president said that the Rudy Gobert positive test was the reason why they shut the tournament down. Yeah, um, I think Gobert might be um, black for the league now. Who do you think? <laughs> nah, I don't think he'd be black. He's a young guy. I don't think he'd be black for the league. And, and his donation to the COVID uh, treatment, he just donated uh, half a million dollars uh, to uh, uh, through organizations throughout the world and he helped with the stadium workers in uh, at the Utah uh, facility. He's donating money for their treatment as well if they contract the uh, COVID-19 because of him. So I think he's, you know, he's made good on, you know, he just he was just being young and stupid when he did that stuff at, at the press conference. But uh, he's doing fine. He's, you know, he, he's on social media. Um, you can't get, you know, so you can't get COVID through Instagram or anything like that or, or YouTube <laughs> or Twitter. So, I mean, um what people must understand is, you know, you do your research, you know, it's the droplets, the things that come out of your nose and mouth is what, how the, uh, the virus carries from one person to another. So that's why people tell you to do the social distancing to keep yourself, you know, a good amount of uh, feet away from other individuals when you're out in public. So, um, I just pray that, you know, we can get this thing under control, uh, get some uh, solid testing, our program in each city and get the proper treatment for the COVID, you know, and this, you know, you have elderly loved ones. I know you have elderly parents, you know, those are the individuals and individuals like myself who have respiratory issues. Um, I have COPD myself um, or immune, di immune disorders are susceptible to catastrophic uh, uh, injuries uh, to their systems, but due to COVID-19. So, Keep yourself safe. Keep yourself healthy. You know, wash your hands and keep yourself a good safe distance away from anybody you don't know and can come in contact with. You know, you know, I would say, you know, I know my family doesn't have any of the you know, doesn't have coronavirus, but, you know, anything about it, anybody outside my house, I keep a good safe distance away from them. Yeah. Like where we live in, and, and, uh, must be careful, people. And be smart. Wash your hands. You know, all trash keep your hands clean, tires and white. Mm -hmm. I, I do those things. I've done those things for years. Right. So you prepare. I was prepared for coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've always kind of kept my wife, I always get on me about having hand sanitizer. I keep some in my car. You know, I usually keep some on me somewhere uh, in my pocket or anything like that. I wash my hands uh, when I go, you know, and um, just make sure I keep my hands clean. And just make sure you just, you know, practice good hygiene. And, and even when the coronavirus is not around, just practice some good hygiene, people. I mean, is is better for your health. And shout out to uh, the casino workers in Detroit. Uh, there was an announcement that the um, board of governors, the governor is going to shut down some of the casinos or have a very limited access to the casinos because of the spread of the coronavirus. You know, we're looking at, you know, anything over 50 people uh, gathering needs to be is going to be shut down just because of the a potential spread of the virus in that type of environment. So um, if you're listening to this and you work in the, the Detroit Metro Casino, or just if you work anywhere that's, you know, going to be a area that's going to be affected job wise, you know, I, I you know, we reach out to you um, here at the Die Hard Dan podcast. I know every, every job doesn't have the ability to pay uh, and lose weight. You know, we have lost wages due to this uh, outbreak of this coronavirus. All right, so um, looking at the switching gears. Okay, we've got to go back a couple of weeks to the NFL Combine. My man, who were your standout players for the NFL Combine? Well, I, I, I think you already know who they are. 
mm-hmm. one offense, one defense, and I won them both on the line. Right. They both ran the fastest times on the stick in the combine, a 4.39. I'm talking about linebackers from Clemson, Isaiah Simmons, and the running backs from Wisconsin, Johnson Taylor. Definitely one from the Lions. I, you know, I hope the Lions get that third pick. I don't want them to trade down. I always stick to so I believe quality on quantity. Um, I, I fell in love immediately. He confirmed why both Taylor and Simmons, they both had excellent combines, especially speed. I mean, Simmons ran a faster um, um, for a 40 time than a lot of receivers and running backs, defensive backs. Right. He has the ability to rush the pass. So he's, a, he's a perfect player for a prestigious system. He likes those rush style players. You can line up anywhere. You can line up defense and right. linebackers. From a strong safety, he's more versatile and has more uses than, um, say, Chase Young or Jeffrey Akuda. Right. You know, I'm not here for the basketball Ohio State because it helped my line show a lot of guys. Right. But I think Simmons is the type of player that can help the Lions more, especially how Patricia loves these players. And as far as Taylor, the big thing about him was he. I think he proved that he had to see. I watched his film, watched his games. It looked pretty damn fast to me. I mean, I right. know NFL's pretty <laughs> sometimes, but um, yeah. he has the speed to play in the NFL. He might see a little bit of Billy Sims or somebody like that. Right. Um, I will say this. Uh, for for Simmons, I was, I was pretty much confirmed what I thought for Simmons. I thought he was going to be a, you know, he's a freak athlete. You know, he can play, you know, all around the field. He's very fast. Um, he's tall, lanky. He's got some good uh, size to him. He can play linebacker. He can play defensive end. He can play corner. He can play safety. And there's a lot of places he fits on the football field. So, like, I, I would agree with you, like you said, that he's very versatile and can fit anywhere in the defense that Matt Patricia needs him to play. Um, Taylor, I was surprised by his speed. I didn't really see that in college, but his top end speed was great during the combine. I was very surprised by his 40 time. Now I had my two players. Simmons was one and I'm a corner guy. I, I played corner in high school a little bit was uh Jeff Okuda. Um, uh, that was my guy. I, I liked his footwork. He was very fluid in the drills. Um, very little, you know, it wasn't a lot of uh wasted movement where he had, you know, he has fluid hips, you know, he can he can turn and he can keep his feet work foot screen his footwork going. So I think he was very smooth. Um uh, was he as fast in the 40 as people thought he would probably be? Probably not even, you know, but four four is still pretty fast. So, you know, there's not a lot of people running around as running um four threes, you know, and, and four twos, definitely not. There's not that many players. I mean, people would think that, Oh, four, two is not that is not that, uh, different from a four, three, but actually it is. And, uh, for that, you know, I think that he is a, a very capable player. I mean, you think, look at, you know, he, uh, was a shutdown corner in college. And I think that he can bring that, that type of, um, measurable talent. Cause he was measured, the same measurables as the one Stefan Gilmore, as you alluded to earlier, the the uh, defensive player of the year for the New England Patriots. So I think he could bring that type of talent to the Lions. And if they let go of Darius Slade, like they're seem to be headed toward a, a divorce with uh, Slade uh, professionally, we're going to need a, another corner in our in the fold. Even if Slade stays, I think it will be good to have Okuda just because of the fact that you will have two shutdown corners. And our pass defense last year was so poor. Um, it had a lot to do with the, the defensive line as well, but the, the secondary didn't help as, as well. I think that at one point, Como just got, he had a good start, but he just became overwhelmed, tried to play too much um, out there. And Rashawn Melvin not giving him the help that he needed. Uh, from that weak side of the the defensive secondary, and then with the loss of one Quandre Diggs as well. Right, I also realized was thinking. Um, like I said, I, well, last year still around You know, we traded Rick um, Golden State away for Will Harris. He barely did something this year. Right. Um, 
And we trade away um, Nino for a fifth round pick. So that'd be one hell of a fifth round pick. Right. And so we trade because we trade away two good players. But um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Right. I mean, if you so, look at um, Nino was what he was a for a four fifth round himself. He wasn't a you know, you know, Quandre wasn't a you know a, a top draft pick. You know, he was one of those guys that right. yeah, that sixth round. Yeah, those those were mid level round picks. You know, and if you look at most of the NFL teams aren't made up of first and second round draft picks, you know, they're made up of fourth, fifth and sixth round draft picks. You know, those are the guys who, who stick and work hard to make teams. So um, you never know what you'll get in that fifth round for a pick. Um, yeah. I, I like the the fact that we did get something at least, you know, and, and I think Quinn is, is a decent guy as far as picking those mid round draft picks. All right. So, all right, that's two points conversing this week. And when we get back from the break, my man, Shawnee J, is going to have another Our Pride Profile. Back from the break, Shawnee J. Who do you have for this week's Our Pride Profile? This week I went back in time a little bit. I chose uh, one of the most controversial players in NFL history. He's only spent a year and a half with the Lions, uh-huh. but he's still uh, considered a legend. He's the original American badass. <laughs> for you old school Lions fans, I'm talking about Mr. Joe Don Looney. Joe Don Looney was born on October 10, 1942, in Fort Worth, Texas. He was a son of former NFL player and former national champion player at Texas Christian University, Don Looney. Joe Don Looney was, from the, from the birth, what you call a badass, a non-performance. He had an interesting career, both college and pro. He's attended three different colleges in his new college. He originally went to the University of Texas. For his first semester, he got three F's and a D. Whoa. And he got kicked out of Texas, so he did the very least. Uh-huh. Then he trained after he went to junior college. He went to Cameron Junior College, where he played for Leroy Montgomery. He led them to the Junior Rose Bowl and the Junior National Championship in 1961. Okay. After that, he went to the University of Oklahoma, where he played for the legendary Bud Wilkerson, where he led him to a Big Eight Championship. In a, but however, in 1963, Bud kicked him off the team because he and Looney didn't see eye to eye because once again, I told this guy's a non-performance. And there's a legend that he even punched one of um, the assistant coaches, even though everybody involved in eyes there. Despite his spotty college career, Looney was the number one draft pick by the New York Giants. However, he didn't stay very long in New York. He was he, he was known for showing up late to practices, oversleeping, and he didn't run a place the way the coaches told him to. Right. Uh, a play was assigned to go one way, he, he'll run the opposite way just to challenge himself to see how bad he was, you know. Uh-huh. He, he was not performing once again. That's a very important one play. And then during that, later on that season, he was traded to the Baltimore Colts, where he's played the rest of the season, only played the ball 20 times. He got into a fight with some Baltimore fans during that season. And once again, his time there was short. We had to go. The very next year, he was played for our Detroit Lions in 1965 for linebacker Dennis Gabo. He had the best season of his career of the Lions in 65, where he uh-huh. carried the ball 114 times with 356 yards and five touchdowns. He was uh, John Riggins of the Lions, well built, 6'1, 225 pounds. I guess you call him like a white Jim Brown, you know. And he was that didn't talented, but he just couldn't corral himself. He couldn't discipline himself. He liked to discipline. One to get an example, you probably heard this before. Hey, Lions head coach asked him, Harry Gilmer asked him to uh, take a play into the quarterback. Uh-huh. The famous line was, 
if you I'm, if you want to deliver some, I'm not a delivery boy. If you want a message delivery, call Western Union. <laughs> <laughs> Very, yeah, that's a true story. Um, he's next year, he went to three games in 1966 with the Lions before he was traded to Washington Redskins, where he had 55 carries, 170 yards. Um, he lasts longer than Watson either because um, he was blocking for Sonny Jurgensen. However, instead of blocking, he just still punched the guy, broke the guy's jaw, who was rushing the quarterback. <laughs> he can't do that. Come on, he can block for a guy who actually swung and got him on the space mask and broke the man's jaw. Wow. So his, his career in Washington was cut short. In 1968, Joe Don was drafted to the Vietnam War. Where he served a year. Right. He tried to fight if he wanted to go, uh-huh. but he served one year of duty in Vietnam before returning to the States in 1969. You probably didn't want to pursue anything over there either. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> it went down. He, I guess he wasn't one to take authority. He right. came back for one final season with the New Orleans States in 1969, covered the year of only three carries for negative three yards. Wow. He retired the NFL after that season. Looney was voted by an um, NFL field friend Steve Sable uh-huh. as the most uncoachable player in NFL <laughs> which is no doubt he had the talent, but yeah. he didn't have the discipline. Right. His life with the football in nineteen seventy, he converted to Hinduism, where he okay. joined the Siddha Yoga movement led by Swami Mukatanda. Uh-huh. Steve Trout, a former con- a fellow convert, alleged that Looney was one of the enforcers who intimidated people in the, um, obeying the Swami. <laughs> in 1974, he pleaded guilty to illegal possession of a firearm in federal court. Right. He was sentenced to three years of probation. In 1988, he received a presidential pardon from President Ronald Reagan. Uh-huh. One more tip I got to tell you before I wrap up on Looney was that he also, he wasn't a practice guy. He was Allen Iverson before Allen Iverson. His famous quote concerning pres- um, practice was, if, if no one's perfect, but practice is supposed to make perfect, but no one's perfect in chief perfection, why practice? That was his reason. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, this is a true story. I'm not making this stuff up. Can't make this stuff up. Can't make that a up. A badass to the end. Joe Don Looney died in a motorcycle crash in Carolina, Texas, was bike ran off a highway until he died instantly at the age of 45. Oh, so he man. died young. He lived fast. He died fast. I mean, original badass. Remember the movie, classic movie, Robot Out of Car, starring um, um, James Dean? Yeah. He was perfect for that role. Right. And remember that movie, Joe Damon from Steve Ryder? He's a motorcycle game? Yeah. He was perfect for that role. But yeah. Joe Don Looney, a talented but undisciplined player, the most cultural player in Lions history. I had to pick them a badass to the end before there was Joe Damon, before there was Brian Osworth, before there was Jimmy um, Jimmy Mann. There's Joe Don Looney. So to your old school Lions fans remember him. Joe Don Looney. Hey, I appreciate that. Our prior profile on a controversial Lions figure. All right. So right now we're going to uh, have our playing of the Tori Petri interview for our podcast um, listeners. And it's not going to play here on the YouTube channel. But right now it is time for it. Now, you know. Now You Know is brought to you by Foster Camera Solutions. For your home or business security needs, call Dan at Foster Camera Solutions for a free estimate at 248-672-8640. With no monthly fees and self-monitoring from your smartphone, computer, or tablet, let Foster Camera Solutions design a security camera system that fits your needs. You can also visit their Facebook page for more information at facebook.com slash Foster Camera Solutions. Remember, Foster Camera Solutions when securing your home or business. 
What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this special Die Hard Den podcast. I'm here with Tori Petri, the Emmy Award-nominated multimedia journalist for the Detroit Lions. How are you today, Tori? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining us. We're here today to let our audience know about what you do for the Lions website. Where did you work as a sports journalist before working with the Lions? Well, I got my broadcast journalism degree from the University of Florida, and I loved my time in Gainesville. It was so good. I worked for the campus TV station, WUFT, and the campus radio station, WRUF. And while I was in school, I started a job hosting a local lifestyle TV show that was just about local events and places and people. That was called My Ocala TV, and I did that uh, while I was still in school and then continued to do that after I graduated. I worked a little bit outside of the industry while I was waiting for my break in broadcasting while I was still hosting uh, My Ocala TV. And then I was also working as an intern, basically, at a local radio station where I was covering motorsports. And I was hustling in between uh, different dirt tracks and, and short tracks around the state of Florida, covering the Daytona 500, all that kind of stuff. Staying busy covering that. So, you know, I had my, uh, you know, nine to five job that was my income. I had my radio job, which was my right. experience. And then I had my uh, TV hosting job, which was my TV job. So I was kind of keeping keeping all those things busy and staying involved in all those ways while I waited for, uh, you know, the right opportunity to come about. And then that is when the Lions job opened up and I moved to Detroit. Now, speaking of that Lions opportunity, now how did that opportunity come about for you to join the Lions media team? Well, I really just found the job online. I applied for it, um, ended up getting a interview and then made the final round of interviews. And I flew up to Detroit and they basically gave me a camera and sent me to a community event and they said, okay, go ahead, go cover this event. And that was basically my audition for this job. And I guess it went well, because here I am six <laughs> years later. Um, I'm still here with the Lions. Right. Hey, we love you here in Lions country. How did you prepare to make the dramatic switch from covering motorsports to an NFL franchise? Well, it's always been really important to me to know what I'm talking about. If I'm going to cover something, then I want to know it through and through. And so that was a big part of the transition was making sure that I was equipped with the knowledge that I needed to be able to do a really good job as uh, the reporter for the the Detroit Lions. And so I kind of got to work studying everything that I could in my free time uh, after work. After I started the job, I would come home and I would read some more. I would research some more. I would call friends who, uh, you know, I had kind of worked with or met um, in my time at Florida uh, who had played football and asked them questions about X's and O's so that I was really under understanding the game. I kept notebooks and, and charts of the articles that I read and the notes that I would take from the articles that I read. And I just was really trying to dive in and know as much as I could. As far as the broadcasting part of it, if you can ask a good question in one sport, you can probably ask a good question in another sport because, you know, it's it's about being able to connect with people and connect the audience with the person that you're talking to. But you have to have the, the knowledge to back it up. And while I knew football when I started the job, I wanted to know it even deeper. And so I did the background work to be able to gain that knowledge. Looking on your professional bio, you played two seasons with the Detroit Dark Angels. <laughs> yeah. What was your experience like playing with the Dark Angels? It was awesome. I mean, those ladies are so strong and incredible. And it was something that I kind of fell into. I kind of discovered them by accident. And the coach asked me if I had ever thought about playing women's tackle football. And I hadn't up until that point. And then, you know, I kind of asked to come out and observe a practice. And my first practice that I came out to observe, they threw a helmet and pads and cleats on me and told me to get in there. And it was just such a good experience. I learned so much about the game. It was important to me to be able to talk about the game, like I said, as well as I could. And I figured there was no better way than to play it myself. So that's what I did. And uh, I, I had such a wow. good experience. I learned <laughs> so much. I really made amazing friendships with the girls that I played with uh, because, you know, anybody who's been a part of any sport at any level knows that you just have a special bond with your teammates and with the people that you play with. And they taught me so much. And I'm so grateful for my experience playing. That's very impressive. Hey, this is Kurt Steele, the Die Hard Damn Podcast. Continue my interview with Tori Petri, the Emmy Award nominated multimedia journalist of the Detroit Lions. Now, what do you do as the multimedia journalist for the Lions? Well, I do a lot of things. So I'm basically the team reporter, host, analyst, um, you know, basically utility broadcaster for the 
the Lions. So I do videos for the Lions TV partners. I host a show called uh, Lions Game Plan on Fox Sports Detroit. I'm the sideline reporter for Lions preseason games. And I also do videos for DetroitLions.com. So any given day, I could be doing a different video or a different TV show for any one of those platforms. So it keeps every day interesting. Uh, it's always something different. So during the season, things are a little bit more routine. We, you know, film TV shows on Tuesdays and then the rest of the week is going in the locker room and talking with players. And then obviously there's game day and we have a live stream uh, post game show on game days. And then Mondays we have a studio show that's live. So it's a whole variety of things, but that's what I like about the job because uh, it, it's never boring that we stay busy with all different kinds of things. And, um, you know, we're basically just trying to connect fans with the players and the team that they love. Kind of uh, on that same line, what is your favorite segment that you do for the website? Oh, man. Well, I think probably my favorite one is a show that we do called Tori's Take. And it was a show that I came up with after my first year of working for the team. I really wanted to be able to have more of a voice as an analyst and to be able to share my opinion more. And so uh, there wasn't really a spot for that where I was at at that point. And so I created one. I pitched this show called Tori's Take and it has grown so much since I first started it. It kind of first started as like a pre-recorded uh, clip on the website. And now it has grown to be a full on live streamed studio show that we do every Monday afternoon. And it requires so many people. There's so much that goes into it. We have a crew. Somebody is in the control room uh, cutting the show live. Somebody's working the camera while I'm live on camera. And it's just such a blast to work with the team and execute a live show. And then to also be able to incorporate my personality and my thoughts on football. Uh, we do a segment in the show called Extra Point and it's something like from around the league. So it's usually something from social media or something that happened in a game that week that wasn't the Lions game and I love being able to just like pick something from the news or from social media that I would like to talk about with my friends and instead of talking about it with my friends, I'm talking about it with Lions fans via live stream. So I love that aspect of it. Yeah, it's a very good segment. I've watched myself several times so good, good job on that segment. Thank now, you. <laughs> now the NFL Combine is coming up here a few days away way. I know you will be in Indianapolis covering the event. Now, typically, what is your role as the multimedia journalist during the off season? Yeah, it looks a lot different than it does in the season. I do travel to all of the off season events. Like you said, I will go to the combine and I go to the owners meetings, the senior bowl. I go to the draft. So I'm traveling quite a bit in the off season as well, uh, because there really is no off season in the NFL. It stays busy. They there's always something to cover. You know, if it's not the combine, it's free agency. And it's just crazy all off-season long. So basically the off-season kind of comes and goes in waves for me. I'm still working a nine-to-five job with the team, creating content and doing research for upcoming shows in between events. But then when the events come, things get really busy. I go on the road or I'm in the studio doing interviews with free agents that come in that the Lions sign. So I stay busy in the off-season as well, but it's a little bit different than the season because it's less of a regimented week-by-week thing and it comes a little bit more in waves because we are covering all all of the off-season news, the addition of players, coaches changing, uh, then the summer workouts. It's always something. Now, you travel uh, across the country, actually, and around the world with the team. What has been your favorite experience covering the Lions? Wow, that's a good question. Um, there's been so many, right? I mean, I think one of my favorites has been the two trips to London that the Lions have taken. They went my first year and then my second year with the team in 2014 and 2015. And both of those were just so much fun because you're on site, you're overseas, you're in a new country and you are relaying this whole week in another country back to fans in the States and sometimes even fans who are in that country and they're getting to see the team that they love uh, for the first time or the first time in a really long time because they don't get to travel as much over to the States to, to see this team. So there's so much of a new story to tell uh, when the Lions do travel internationally. I really love that aspect of it. And then I also love the draft. The draft is just always an exciting weekend. It's craziness, but wow. I love how yeah. the week has brought it to different cities. Uh, mm -hmm. That's been really fun, being able to tell the story of the draft in the um, broader sense of the city that it's in. 
right. Well, thank you so much for joining us with this interview here at the Die Hard Damn Podcast. We appreciate you sharing your story with the audience as the multimedia journalist for the Detroit Lions. And as always, you can find Tori on social media at Tori Petri on Twitter and Instagram. And for Tori Petri, this is Kurt Steele of the Die Hard Damn Podcast. And we are out. All right, we're back from now, you know, and this week it is time for the Stump the Sean trivia segment of the week. We got some good questions for you this week, my man, Shawnee J. So I have a few tough questions because I know you usually do very, very well with the trivia questions. And the first question is... What is the fewest yards the Lions ever allowed in a football game? Wow. With the history? Yep. Ooh-wee. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> so their 80-year history or 85-year history in Detroit, what's the fewest yards they allowed in a game? Yep. Ah, uh, rushing. Ah, mm. uh, I... I really don't know about the wild guess. I want to say about 10 yards. You were close. It was 14 yards. On September 15th, 1940, the Lions held the Chicago Cardinals to 14 yards of total offense. But the game ended in a 0-0 tie because the Lions only had 16 yards of total offense themselves. That was a defensive battle, for the least. That was a defensive battle for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Next question. Who was the Detroit Lions' very first draft pick? Their very first draft pick in 1934? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, uh, was it Dutch Park? Oh, close. Close. That's not to him. It was Sid Wagner. Sid Wagner... Uh, drafted by the Lions in the first round of the NFL draft in 1936. He played three seasons before retiring to pursue a career in engineering. Oh, okay. How long did he play with the Lions? He played for three years from 1936. Right, back then, you didn't, you didn't make that much money playing football, so they didn't have no sense to play long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next question. Who was the first Lion to rush for a thousand yards in the season? Oh, that's a good one. Steve Owens in 71. Steve Owens in 71 is correct. He rushed for 1,034 yards in 1971. And if I can ask that trivia for a while, for many years, mm-hmm. Owens, Billy Sims, and Barry Sanders were only three guys to rush for a thousand yards in the season for the Lions. And they all played for Oklahoma and Stanford, Oklahoma State, and they all won Heisman. Right. So. so, all right, last question. Who owns the franchise record for the longest run from scrimmage? Longest run on scrimmage. Um, we're talking about a running back, correct? I'm not saying running back, but yeah. let me think. Is it? I'm trying to think. Is it... Um, Horsey, 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 Okay, I remember reading that for a long time. You two think Barry or Billy Sales would know those horny, horny, Hornsmeyer. Hornsmeyer. Yeah, Bob Hornsmeyer. Yeah. All right, yeah. that's what we got this week. Stomp the Sean, Stomp the John went uh, two out of five this week. Good job, my man. I appreciate you. You're playing. If you have some Lions trivia for uh, the show, uh, Feel free to reach out on social media or email us and let us know uh, what questions you want me to ask uh, Sean in the next uh, Stump the Sean segment. All right. So, hey, it's time for us to go ahead and get on out of here. We appreciate you 
coming on, listening to our podcast. Uh, when we have our next show, we'll have a lot more information for you about the upcoming free agents that the Lions are going to sign here when free agency starts next week. So um, it's time for us to give out our social media. So Shawnee J, tell the people how they can find you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Sean Jennings, um, handsome guy, profile pic. <laughs> you can't miss me. I'm also the head lead administrator for the Lions, Detroit Lions, True Fan page on Facebook. You know, you can contact me. I'd be happy to add you. Keep you abreast of everything Lions, and NFL news. All right. And uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at CurtisDale14. That's C-U-R-T-I-S-S-T-E-E-L-E. One four. You can follow the show on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash dieharddin. You can follow us on Twitter at dieharddinpodc1. On Instagram, it's at die underscore hard underscore den underscore podcast. And you can email the show dieharddinpodcast at gmail.com. I really appreciate you guys listening in and watching on YouTube. We're going to start posting some more video feeds on YouTube. We have our YouTube channel. It's a Die Hard Dan podcast on YouTube. So you can just look us up and you can find us. You can find this video there for those listening on the podcast. If you want to watch the video, you can go out on YouTube and find this video. So for my man, Shani J, this is Kurt Steele of the Die Hard Den Podcast, and we are out.